Welcome to the Common Grounds Unity Podcast, where we have great conversations with unity-minded Christians. Our goal is to encourage unity of the Spirit within the Stone Campbell Movement and beyond. We believe unity starts with a cup of coffee. So grab a cup and join us as we seek to fulfill Jesus' prayer that we may all be one. And now... Here are your co-hosts. Welcome to another edition of the Common Grounds Unity Podcast. I'm Kevin Witham. Glad to be back with you today. Uh, by the way, this week and last podcast, I was hoping to have Tina Bruner co-hosting um, alongside me in this uh podcast, but Tina uh, is over in Poland doing some some work with World Convention. She's the executive director, and we just couldn't get the connection uh, to make that happen today. So Tina, boy, blessings on the work you're doing, and we'll look forward to having her back to co-host sometime in the near future. But we have uh, our two great guests that we had last podcast with us. I hope hope you had the opportunity to um, hear my conversation with Rudy and Fate Haygood, uh, brothers, physical brothers, and of course, spiritual brothers, who uh, both have a life of ministry and a lifetime in the restoration movement, growing up in, in restoration churches and then serving them in their various capacities. Just to kind of reintroduce them to you, Rudy uh, serves as lead pastor with University Christian Church in Los Angeles. Uh, he was uh, born and raised in Los Angeles. Uh, he has uh, a delightful wife and seven kiddos and uh, puts his, his family in the kingdom first uh, in life. And, and, of course, his family is a part of his uh, life in the kingdom. Fate, uh, similarly, is in the Los Angeles area. Um, he uh, is the pastor teacher at the Metropolitan Church of Christ in Carson, California, uh, he wasn't born in L.A., uh, but he got out here to the West Coast as fast as he could. He, he uh, comes from Birmingham, Alabama. Um, he, he and his wife have two kiddos as well, and uh, he loves them to death. And he has served, loved the, loved the church that he's ministered to well. And both these brothers are well-loved out here on the West Coast. I know they're known far beyond here, but it is a blessing to have you both back. Thanks for being with us. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. Uh, today, I'd, I'd like to uh, kind of lead into a conversation that is near and dear to our hearts, and if it's not, it ought to be for those of us that are Christ followers. I, I'd like to ask you both to lead us into a discussion and talk with us about uh, race relations and racial tensions, and then more importantly, racial reconciliation because anybody who's listening to this podcast and takes the heart of Jesus seriously knows that we've been called to a ministry of reconciliation. It is not just about our being reconciled to God, but reconciliation among peoples here. So, uh, brothers, could, could you share your thoughts on the importance of racial unity and how it relates to the health and vibrancy and future of the church? 
I'll start with you, Rudy. We, we, I always kicked it over to you first <laughs> last time. We might as well keep with that order. <laughs> All right. Oh man. Um, let's see. I, I just think we've, uh, we have really struggled with, uh, God's divine and beautiful mosaic that we, we struggled to, truly grasp the idea that all human beings are made in the image of God. And, uh, and I think as a result, we have um, minimized and uh, maximized or uh, we have preferred um, or put down um, other groups. And it's, it's, it's just something where um, to do so really is to put down God's design is to say, God, what you have made is not beautiful. What you have made, um, is not precious. And so I think we have to learn to listen. And so here's where I'm going with this. I think God created race, um, um, distinctions, um, so that somebody would say, ouch, I think I think that's the primary purpose of, you know, why all these distinctions, why all this, um, you know, these different cultures and races. I think it's so that somebody would say, ouch. And I get the idea from Acts 6. Um, Acts 6 is now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews distinctions, different cultures, different people groups, Mm -hmm. because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. They were able to take the ministry of the gospel moving forward and the care of this people group um, both, they, they were able to prioritize them both. And I think um, we have, somehow the apostles were able to listen without getting off mission. And we have to be able to do both. And what we do is we try to say, well, this social justice or this racial injustice, it's, it's somehow, somehow anti the gospel. No, people of God have to care for the people of God. And why did these people come to uh, the apostles and make the complaint? Because they were their people. Hmm. Our people are not being treated the same as your people. Yeah. And so as a result, because it was their people, someone said, ouch. Uh, I'll give an example. I was on a a, a staff team. Um, It was uh, majority white. And then they had an an Asian pastor and myself, um, at least as the, the core team. And. And we had an event, and at the event, they were they were making fun of Asian culture. And I wasn't there; I was at home. And they, you know, this is when that uh, I don't even know how to say it right, Gangnam Style. You know, when that, when that song was out, and all <laughs> the jokes, it. yeah, so all the jokes were about that. And then they also had an Asian guy walking around, um, couldn't speak English, and doing karate sounds, and. And the other pastor, who was an Asian guy, he called me and he said, uh, hey, man, I needed to, I need, I'm, I'm livid. And I was like, all right, what's going on? 
And uh, he said, I just need to talk to somebody who I thought might understand. And, and so he began to express to me how, uh, how disheartening and disrespectful he felt the joking was. And all these people that he's been ministering to are now laughing at his culture. Um, and I said, man, some of it, they just don't know. And let me tell you how I know they don't know, because I wouldn't have known either. Hmm. I said, I grew up on Kung Fu theater on Saturday mornings. I looked, I looked up to and still look up to um, those martial artists. And I wouldn't have thought anything of the joking. And he said, man, you don't understand when you're Asian growing up in this country, no matter how educated you are, they assume you can't speak the language. They assume, you know, karate. You hear this all your entire childhood. It, it, it becomes who you are as opposed to being able to represent. And I said, man, I would have known. They don't know. And so we have to commit to speaking up. I think God created culture distinction so that somebody would say, ouch. Our problem is now that people are saying, ouch, the Christians aren't listening. What would have happened in Acts 6 if they would have said, stop making it about race. Just stick to the gospel. Mm. And that's what we're doing today. And so the, the question, to be a little more uh, upfront, um, we, we have to figure out how to navigate white supremacy. And when I say that word, um, many of my right brothers get immediately offended. Um, but when I say white supremacy, I'm not calling anyone a Ku Klux Klan member or anything like that. I'm saying that all of us who are in Western culture have been infected by this disease that I'm calling white supremacy, that we that we all have this thing where white has become right, white is less offensive, black is dangerous, um, we want to live in particular neighborhoods. We and and so th- there's this thing in our culture where we have to navigate this 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 unwritten thing because it's in the media, it's on our movies, it's 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 you know it, it it's just everywhere. And as a result, we all have to navigate one group being preferred above another. And sometimes it's, it's subliminal, it's unconscious. And so I, I, I'll, I'll approach it this way. Growing up Black in the church, uh, it can be exhausting because it's always, uh, unless I'm in an all-Black environment or context, it's always a display of my otherness. Mm. Um, and while, while that's going on, I'm simultaneously using my energy to assimilate in order to dim my otherness, or I'm making this conscious effort to do it anyway, regardless of the pressure, or I feel like, um, or I can feel like I'm on display and people are looking at, okay, for instance, if yeah. in, in my context, um, I'm at a diverse church, um, and if you sing a contemporary Christian song, it's worship. If you sing a gospel song, it's entertainment. Mm. Uh, often what what uh, my white brothers and sisters will say, well, I didn't know what to do while that song was being sung. Mm-hmm. But you expect the black person to know what to do when the contemporary Christian song is being sung. Yeah. And so that that's that's an example of what I mean. It's there's this this automatic and sometimes it's just preference, but we don't realize that it's from a particular lens and it's impacting the value of an entire people group. Uh, what would have what would have sounded just like a joke to me, sounded like disrespect and disregard to my Asian brother. 
And so we have to we have to listen. Um, we, we can't think that the gospel means we do minist- we do what we call ministry only. To me, this all ministry. We have to figure out how to do both and. Rudy, explain that to us a little bit more, the idea that you, you said you always feel that your otherness is on display. Help, help our listeners to understand that experience more and okay, what I'll, that means. I'll, I'll give another example. Okay. Um, I was uh, standing in front of the church and, uh, you know, people coming up for prayer. And uh, one of my white brothers uh, came up to me and said, um, man, and I'm, I'm a pastor at the church. <laughs> Yeah, he came up to me and he said, "Man, until you smiled, I was scared of you." Oh my mm. god! Mm. Oh my god! And so, in, in the context, either I have to use additional energy to present myself as non-threatening as a pastor, uh-huh. or even though I'm—I'm—I mean, I, I just hosted the service. Yes, I, I, I mean, <laughs> so I hit that brother, it, and I just—I think, wow! I mean, unbelievable. Yet that's your experience. That, that's that people the, need to hear. Yeah, and that's the—that's the common experience. And uh, mm-hmm. maybe I get into other, you know, more serious. But that's—that's that's a light thing that happens all the time. Or people are just shying away from me because I'm black, or they're coming to me because I'm black. <laughs> so there's an yeah. otherness that you, you're always aware of when you're not in an all black context. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it can be exhausting. There's an additional energy you have to use. And what I'm saying is that brother um, and people who avoid or come to, they're not necessarily, they're not racist, but there is a disease in our culture of white supremacy that causes us to see others as we either fetishize them, or they're less than, or they're the entertainment. All those things come from what I'm calling white supremacy. And it doesn't make you a racist because it's in black people, it's in Asian people, it's in white people, it's in Latinx people, it's in all of us that are part of Western culture because the dominant culture um, has decided what is good, less threatening, intelligent, like, Okay, if I if you say if you said you if you list styles of preaching, you'll list six styles of preaching, and the seventh one will be black preaching, as if black preachers all use one style of preaching. Mm-hmm. That's 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 the effect of white supremacy on our culture. There's a black thing that's kind of fetishized. Oh, look at black preacher, and then white people have six different styles of preaching. Interesting observation. I can yeah. certainly see that. Well, thanks for making that accessible to us and fate. Yes. Share on this, if you will, brother. Uh, I'll need you to restate because if not, I'll be sharing on what Rudy said. So could you please? <laughs> and, and you can do that too. Yeah, please do. Right. I'm, you I'm know, just listening and caught up in, in what he's saying. I, absolutely. Easy to do that. Absolutely. Um, well, so, you know, the, the, the leadoff question was, um, you know, rooted in this idea that ours is a ministry of reconciliation. And, and that's not just reconciliation between us and God. Christ came to reconcile us fully as brothers and sisters in Christ, co-heirs. Yeah. And, uh, and, and yet in our culture and in our churches, race uh, relations, racial tensions exist. We, we want to be about racial reconciliation. What are your thoughts? How can we better get there? And how do we deal with this challenge? Well, uh, uh, I, 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 yeah, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of me everywhere I go. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I, I may, I may use a different style um, of preaching when I'm preaching different places. Um, but, but that is, uh, that is more about my homiletical training than about race. You, you preach to who's in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I'll say <laughs> the problem with, with reconciliation, the fact that it's a problem is a problem. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> what I'm saying is that <laughs> it, it is literally the core of the ministry of the church. Literally. You know, I mean, uh, in both Jesus, well, in, in the apostles, um, you know, great treatise there in 2 Corinthians 5, where, we, where he's telling us, you know, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. It, it, it is literally the core of the gospel. Uh, and then he even gives, gives a legal kind of, if you read the King James, to wit that God was in Christ. You know, it's like mm-hmm. not only is it like this ontological reality of, of, of who and what God is, but it is also the legal requirement of God that we be about reconciliation. Um, and and when, when we have co-opted the gospel in such a way and redefined it in such a way that that's all right, that now reconciliation is an optional uh, <laughs> emphasis in Christianity, i.e., uh, we need to have some type of reconciliation ministry or we need to to have a reconciliation program or when when the fact that we're doing that is a problem, you know, and I've said this com- constantly and I, and I know this is going to be a very, very deep statement, but I'm black and, and I know that's, <laughs> that's deep, but, but, but uh, therefore, therefore, you know, Black stuff is kind of what I do. I, I don't have, <laughs> yeah. I don't have a black ministry. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't have a program to be black, because once I do that, I am not defining myself by my ontological reality, but I am defining myself by something I wish I was, or something that I've been damaged to the point of hating who I am. And it seems like that's what the church has done. It seems like the church has redefined what God says she is. Mm-hmm. One of my mentors, uh, uh, Kenwood DeVore, um, he's struggling right now, but he used to tell, tell me, fate, the reason people don't do what Jesus wants them to do is because they don't admire Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because admiration brings about imitation. Imitation brings about manifestation, and manifestation brings about glorification. He, I can't remember how many times he told me that. He says, and the reason we laugh off at some of those things like turn the other cheek, etc., the meek and lowly, etc., humility, is because we don't admire the Lord. And I think we don't like the church that God has given us. And so we remake it into something it is not. And that's that sometimes makes me question whether or not it is a church. Um, I don't know if you can... If you can have a body that is disconnected from a head and still be a living, viable thing. 
And so we talk about reconciliation, especially recon racial reconciliation in the church. I, I want to give you how I think about it. I think about it in these three ways. Um, here, here's my alliteration for you. Um, I think about it as pain, power, and purpose. Pain is a deterrent to racial reconciliation. What I mean is this, is that when you talk about black folk and white folks, black folks usually in the church in relationship to white folks are dealing from a place of pain, mm. of pain. And it becomes a deterrent to racial reconciliation. Because if I have to ignore my pain in order for reconciliation, and God may be calling me to it. I'm, I'm not. I'm not taking off the off the off the table mm -hmm. because because He's Lord. What I'm saying though is it's going to be a deterrent if I have to squash myself. If I have to pretend like like uh, I am not being uh, diminished. If I have to pretend um, that it's cool that you treat me like a menstrual show or like step and fetch it then that's going to be a deterrent. Because even if I reconcile, this won't be true. It won't be from my heart. Mm -hmm. It'll only be uh, utilitarian. And the second one was power. I think power, well, I know it is, power is a deterrent of recon racial reconciliation in the church. Um, because when you are in the power position um, and you have a heart for reconciliation, often... Your heart, though, as Jesus says, follows your treasure. And, and if, if you're not willing to invest to that level um, of on the treasure side, your heart will not follow. I'll give you an example. I was talking to a friend about it. I won't say his name. Um, he was a preacher white guy out here um, in the in the in the IE in the Inland Empire. And uh, he was asking me about another preacher, an older preacher who was in the area with him. He says, Man, I want to to reconcile and have our churches work together. Um, but I just can't see why when he and I get together, um, we just can't get right. You know, is it me? Is it him? Um, I said, listen, I said, because when you guys are talking, you guys are not talking on even planes. He's a preacher who has been preaching 45, 50 years. He makes 45, $50,000 a year. Mm -hmm. you graduated from, from college day before yesterday and you're making $175,000 a year. <laughs> mm. You are not talking the same language. Yeah, yes. <laughs> you, you are not talking the same. And I said, if you say, well, well I, I just want our two churches to get together. I said, well, his church can only afford to pay him that. Your church has multiple ministries because you, I said, unless your church is willing to share power, you're really never going to be that level of unified. Mm. Well, the third P was purpose. I think purpose must be the core. If we're going to be reconciled, our purpose has to align with God's purpose. If, if reconciliation is the thing, then it's got to be the thing. It can't be a thing. It has to be the thing. Um, and, and as long as we say, well, well, I'm hurting too much. So, so these white folks, uh, I can't deal with them no more. I'm just being real with you, you know, because yeah. I, I walk in these areas. I can't deal with it no more. I can't deal with the looks. I can't deal with the snide comments. Um, I can't deal with the denial of history. I can't deal with it anymore. Um, I can't deal with the fact that that uh, 
my black boys never get to see powerful black men in leadership unless it's in an all black context. I can't deal with that no more. Mm-hmm. And so if that's what it's going to be, then we're going to keep our context black. Also, it can be the if, if, if I come to it thinking, well, you know, um, I'm going to lose something in this exchange. I'm losing something in this exchange. Um, um, it's going to be problematic because now, you know, there's always going to be hesitation in, in how you approach, um, i.e. protectionism. I have to protect my position, my money, my power. Um, it's not the same as it was back in the day, but it used to be also I've got to protect my women. I got to protect, you know, my place, my blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And as long as it's that, but if it's purpose, if we say, you know what, we want to be in the, this, this is just a church of Christ guy in me. If we want to be that church that Christ came to give us, we got to get back on purpose. I, I got to find a way to deal with my pain. Um, I got to find a way to forgive. I got to find a deal with my power. I got to find a way to be humble enough to diminish myself. And that's not diminishing myself, it's just diminishing my stuff to the where I can get back to the purpose of Christ. I think we can do that. But if not, I, I think we're going to have problems in the church with rec- racial reconciliation, you know, period. Brother, that, you and Rudy are both preachers. You've given us a great three-point outline there that's powerful. And I want to have ears to hear and process what you've said and, and appreciate hearing your voice on this you, you said something really you said a lot of things profound as did rudy i'm sorry for uh, going on and on i'm sorry my bad <laughs> what's that i'm sorry for going on and on my bad i'm sorry no no that, that's what this is about brother i want to i, I, I want to hear you that, that's great no, no no don't apologize um you, you something jumped out that you said that man was good stuff. You said a couple of things. I, you actually gave me something for my sermon tomorrow. I'll just tell you right? <laughs> that that whole statement about um, admiration brings imitation. Imitation brings manifestation. Manifestation brings glorification. I mean, this is us beholding the face of Christ, yeah. and our heart is to be like Him yeah. and have His heart, and He's glorified in that. And the idea that that reconciliation. It's not a program. It's not a little piece. It's not something we do when we've got time. It, it is at the heart of what the gospel is. And I hope we all hear that well. Um, no, don't apologize. I was taking notes. Um, yes. Everybody, we had such a great conversation on this podcast. We're going to carry it over into next week. So join us for the continuation of this conversation. Look forward to being with you then. Thank you for listening to the Common Grounds Unity podcast. Please check out commongroundsunity.org to learn more about who we are. There are plenty of resources, and you can subscribe to the weekly email articles, join the Facebook group, or find our YouTube channel. We've also provided a link in the show notes for comments. You can ask questions or suggest topics and guests. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do that too through the show notes or on our website. Until next time, God bless. And remember... 
unity starts with a cup of coffee.